This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jimmy, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 42. How have you been, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. I'm glad you knew the episode number because I suddenly realised as that theme kicked in, I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> there was a slight pause, I'll be honest, oh. so I was like... Yes, definitely 42. And I thought I'd been really organised this week as well, because I've got everything on my computer, like, I know what's next next week's episode is and all this, and I thought I'd been really organised, I suddenly realised, no idea what episode we're recording today. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. No idea, no idea. But yeah, not too bad. How's things with you? Uh, things are really good, thank you. I'm, um, I'm currently, I think the same as you, I'm in uh, excitement mode for Saturday. Oh, super excited. Yeah. Yeah, like... Um, like a uh, Cyberman sitting on top of a Dalek rodeo style. <laughs> Excited. <laughs> yeah. In um, case people don't know what we're talking about, we've got the Doctor Who Spectacular, Symphonic Spectacular, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great, isn't it? Really it's going to be very cool. Those yeah, of you that, a, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I think just go say what you guys say. I know a lot of our listeners are going as well, aren't they? Yeah. Um, spoken to a few people on Twitter who are going. There's a couple of people going to the... Um, the afternoon show. There's one at three o'clock on the same day. Yeah. So we might bump into them after that. Um, but I know there's a few people going to the evening one that we're going to. So uh, we we should hopefully bump into you. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be, be cool. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Has uh, there been many shows before this one? I've kind of lost track. Is this? Has it has been one the other day? Wasn't there? I saw some Daleks um, posted online. Was it? Where was it? Ah, oh, that was Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah. Yes. So the show hasn't been there yet. Um, they're just ramping up some of the marketing and stuff like that for it. Oh, I see. So is Saturday afternoon the first show? Yeah. Ah, oh, brilliant. That's the first one, yeah. And um, and then from London it moves to some other places. I think there's yeah, there's Newcastle and a couple of other places. And um, yeah, so it's going to be really good. So those of you that have been to um, the Doctor Who proms before, it's um, it's a very similar thing. So I gather. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, I've been to the prom, um, mm-hmm. which was brilliant, and but I've never been to. I know they did this before, and I didn't get to go to it. So, but I'm assuming it's just like that, but maybe a few more monsters. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe a bit longer because the prom's about an hour long, isn't it? So, yeah, I think this is yeah. about an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes. Um, but it should be cool though. It's in Wembley, big place. Should yeah. sound awesome in there. It should. Uh, you um, you got your costume sorted. Um, I'm not sure if I'm cosplaying. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm going to be rocking a, a Who t-shirt of some description. I know that yeah. for sure. But yeah, I'm not sure on the cosplay. Are you? Um, I'm the same as you. I, I did have um, I did have a little outfit in mind and I've kind <laughs> of backtracked as it's got nearer and nearer. Um, I'm probably going to do the same as you and just rock a Who t-shirt. Um, I had thought at one point, because I got the Fifth Doctor jumper you know the lavazi one okay yep is that how you say it lavazi yep. and um yeah i was thinking of wearing that and i've got the tenant tie from the 
Day of the Doctor. So I was thinking that's quite nice to combine old and new. So I was going to wear that. Uh, and now it's going to be quite sunny and I'm just backtracking a little bit. So I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think um, wearing that jumper, you're going to be mega hot. I just, yeah, I've just yeah. got visions of, just, yeah, <laughs> just being uh, way too hot in, once we get inside the arena because it's going to be pretty packed in there. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I may just go for a T-shirt. <laughs> I might wear the scarf. I might just wear a T-shirt and scarf, you know, the Tom Baker scarf. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that might be another option. That could be cool. Yeah, I'm wondering, I'm assuming there'll be a bit of merchandise to, to tempt us. Will there at this? Bound to be a program and stuff, isn't there? Oh, there will be. Yeah. yeah. The usual stuffs. Yeah, that's it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they've got and picking up a load of stuff that <laughs> I'll never look at again. You no, know, like you do, you buy all this, like the cap and the badge, and then it just goes on the side. Oh, of course, yeah. 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 But no, it's going to be super good. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be good. So we'll hopefully see some of you guys there. Yeah. You know what we look like? Well, pictures on the. Uh, uh, on the new website, there mm. our mugs are at the top of the website constantly. They are, yeah. And if you've been on Facebook, you'd have seen us and stuff like that. So, if we don't see you for whatever reason, or if we walk past you, it's not we're not being rude or anything. Just that we don't see you guys as much as you see us. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so if you do see us, just give us a slap or give us a tug, <laughs> whatever, and we'll um, we'll have a chat. Just say hi. <laughs> or just say hi. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you like. <laughs> I don't really fancy coming back with a couple of black eyes, but yeah. <laughs> so give us a slap. Give it, say hi first. Start with a hi. Start with a hello. If if that doesn't work, then maybe move up, you know, work your way up to a slap. Yeah. If you're not happy yeah. with the salutation, then yeah. a swift one will that'll do. But for goodness sake, don't do it when I'm buying merchandise. Don't interrupt me when I'm purchasing a an right. item that could be fatal oh bloody hell yeah <laughs> no yeah. i jest i jest no you don't not really no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been what as well i haven't really been up so much else really um other than watching our review episode a couple of times well i had to watch the the last part of it twice um, all right yeah why was that well it's just you know sometimes when you're sitting down and because when I'm watching review episodes, I try and watch it where I've got as much kind of space as I, I can get. So yeah. I might come upstairs and watch it if I've got a busy house or something like that. And that was the case when I was watching it the other day. It was just one of those times where there was just stuff going on and I just couldn't really get into it. So I watched the last part again yesterday. Um, and other than that, I, haven't really, I went to Forbidden Planet again, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was in London on Monday and it was so good in there on Monday. I must, yeah, I must have bumped into like four people in the whole shop and that was it. Oh, right. You know, it's one of those times where it's like kind of mid-morning where that seems like a lot of London, other than the, the commuters and the workers, seems like the rest of the world's still in bed. Yeah, I so, know what you mean. You know yeah. what I mean? So you can just wander around and you're not getting shoved and stuff like that. So What did you that get? That's cool. Um, I did pick up, I think you might have, I think you might have it already. It's um, it's a, a Dalek toy, and it's the um, like uh, concrete looking. Um, I know the stone, the stone one. Concrete, yeah, I know the stone one looking one. Yeah, they look yeah. awesome. I don't know yeah. why I haven't picked it up before, um, but they had loads of them on the rack, so they must not be selling them because they had loads and loads. So, well, it's quite old now, actually, isn't it? It's probably they probably just sort of got some stock left because it's that's from um, that's from quite an old episode. Yeah. If it's the one I'm thinking of. So, yeah, they're probably just having a clear out. Yeah. So I thought, why haven't I got this yet? So I picked that up. It's quite cool. Um, picked up a notebook because I'm running short of TARDIS notebooks. Um, <laughs> and that was it, really. I picked up some Star Wars bits. But, yeah, it was quite, it was quite cool. Excellent. Yeah. 
I've picked up a lot of Doctor Who stuff from charity shots in the last week or two, and I'm, which is great for me because there's been you know some good stuff, and and some of it's been cheap, some of it hasn't. Um, because uh, I I found another charity shop where she was looking up everything on eBay and charging eBay <laughs> prices. So there was a couple of things I didn't buy because it was just too expensive. But um, I picked up a couple of things very cheap. But it does also concern me because I'm thinking, why is everyone clearing out all their dog two stuff? You know, like is it? You know, just I don't know. It's a bit a bit worrying. Like hmm. you know, kids not interested anymore. Got to that age, you know, don't like dogs anymore. Just getting rid of their stuff. I'm not sure. Okay. But uh, mm. but it's been good because I've picked up some couple of good little bits. Coolio, yeah, good stuff. We hope you guys have had a good week. And um, let's rattle through some of this news. But before that, we have to land this baby. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Satisfying thud. Yeah. As we land. First up in news, um, we're going to be talking about Moffat. I put a, a couple of stories out in a week about Moffat. Yeah. And um, we had a we had a big reaction on the Facebook and Twitter about this. And um, the, the title that I gave that post the other day, I think is quite relevant, um, which is love him or hate him. Moffat is here to stay for at least a little bit longer anyway. And uh, you guys went nuts about this. <laughs> um, well, quite surprisingly, there was a lot of positive people as well. I was just going to say that. I, I expected when, when the post went up, I, I knew it'd be mixed. But yeah. I was surprised and kind of pleased, actually, in some ways. There was, there was a lot of positivity towards it, wasn't there? That, um, mm-hmm. that He's basically said he's staying on for Series 10. I was quite surprised that, um, to hear that bit of news. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and I was surprised that it got such a positive reaction, but but also a little bit pleased. Yeah, a little bit pleased. Yeah, I think um, he he does come in line for a lot of stick from a lot of people. Yeah, I mean pleased because he does come in for some quite heavy um, stick, and some of it's justified. Don't get me wrong, but I do think he's done a lot of good as well. Um, so that's why I was pleased that it wasn't all, you know, a load of hate-filled Moffat bashing, if you like. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong, I, you know, I've got mixed feelings on it. I, I do sometimes think it's time for new blood, but um, I also think he's done some good stuff. And, and I don't know who would take over. That's what always worries me. Uh, you know, when we talk <laughs> about Moffat leaving and is it the right time, you know, um, part of me thinks it's time for it to move on, but part of me thinks, who's going to take this on? You know what I mean? Yeah. It is a it is a very tricky one, and I think it's mm-hmm. um, probably one of the most difficult decisions at the BBC. Probably one of the um, probably one of the jobs that you wouldn't want yeah. to, to take on the new showrunner. It's um, it's massive responsibility, and uh, and I know I know Mark Gattis sort of gets sort of banded around a lot. And um, although I'm not a fan, well, I do like his episodes, but they're not always my favourite episodes. I but I yeah. do think he might be quite a good showrunner, if you see what I mean, because I do think. He would sort of, I think he'd be a good producer, but I'm just yeah, not sure yeah. about his actual episodes themselves. I don't know. Yeah, his name gets is, gets banded around a lot when mm. the subject comes up of who's going to take over. Yeah, um, but in terms of Moffat, I mean, it's not it's not a terrible thing. It's not a bad thing because um, let's face it, 
since he's taken over from Russell T Davis, the show has gone on from strength to strength and is more popular now than it's ever been. So he's not doing a bad job and he's certainly doing something right. Um, it's just, um, I don't know, especially things like series series um, six always gets a lot of fire, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, it does, yeah. Um, which is, you know, let's not beat around the bush. That is Moffat's making. Um, but I think we do still have to give him a lot of credit and a lot of praise because, I don't know, there's been some cracking stuff happened since he's taken over. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of good ideas. Um, whether they always have a great payoff is another thing. But, um, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's bubbling with, with, um, things to do with the show and directions to take it in. And, you know, and uh, I think he's admitted himself that he's sort of got stuck in a bit of a groove along the way. And, you know, it's good that he's realized that because he has tried to mix things up yeah. um, with the last series. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where we go with series nine. Um, and I wonder if the fact that he's staying on for another series means that he feels he's still got stuff to do. Um, I wonder, not, not necessarily a grand plan, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, think, yeah. I wonder if he's because I mean he must be he's been in the, in as a producer for how many years now? Um, you know, it's a few, isn't it? How, how many? Uh, when did he take over? Five, six years ago. So I mean, he's probably thinking himself about moving on. I would assume, you know. But to the fact that he wants to stay on for another series suggests to me that he feels like he's still got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm uh, mixed feelings on this one. I'm, I kind of think it's good. You know. I, I think I think it's good. It's one of those situations where I, I just hope that he he listens to those people around him because that's kind of the case a lot of the time when you have these executive producers or showrunners for a lot of programs. And do you know the the thing that I can only the, the best example than I can give it is the same with George Lucas. It's like when he, he's obviously brilliant at what he does with the whole Star Wars thing. But when, we, when it came round to making the prequel trilogy, he was just stuck so much in his own head. Mm. You know, had all these amazing people around him and just didn't really listen to them. He just kind of steamrolled through yes. and they ended up being the weakest part of the whole Star Wars saga. So it's the same sort of thing I feel with Moffat where he can, he's got this potential to just be brilliant because some of the episodes that he's written before are just amazing. Mm. But now he's showrunner. He's kind of got these ideas in his head and he just needs to just chill out a bit and just let the reins go a little bit and just you know all those all these really good people around him just need to take them on board a little bit more and just yeah just let go just slightly yes absolutely i uh, yep i I agree with you 100 percent. and actually that does lead very nicely into another little news item um that we've got this week which concerns moffitt and and um capaldi being at loggerheads in a way i think it's that's a slight exaggeration although that's kind of the headline but it's about the fact that Moffitt's come out and said that the doctor secretly fancies Clara um, which plays very much at odds with you know Peter Capaldi saying you know there's going to be none of that Mm -hmm. with his doctor so that's kind of the headline but if you read between the lines you know Moffitt's come out with this thing um, saying what is it what was it about basically just saying that the doctor tries to hide the fact that he fancies Clara which again this I think this just ties in brilliantly with what you've just said you know Mm. it just sits so uncomfortably with the fans and quite a lot of people and it certainly sits uncomfortably with me I just don't know where Moffitt's going with that idea I, I'm not um, sure either he's, yeah he's basically said hasn't he that 
the the doctor always fan well not always but the doctor fancies or has fancied clara um even in you know this iteration of the doctor with capaldi mm. and um yeah i can't agree with that i'll be honest with you i, d- I don't think that because we had the whole um rose and the doctor thing didn't we yeah where that was the first time i believe that they properly looked into that whole territory of the doctor maybe falling in love with one of his companions and stuff mm. um and even now that doesn't really sit great with fans um i just don't think we need it it's you know not needed I mean? at all is it's it not needed they should be well I, you know i'm not gonna be one of these fans that dictates the show but it, you know it's, to me it's, it's, it should be a partnership you know like partners in crime sort of thing going out solving problems saving the universe all that sort of thing D- doesn't need this love tension between the doctor and clara and especially with capaldi's doctor and clara because what they did in series eight worked so well with the doctor sort of being this more of a sort of not father figure what's the word i'm looking for like a sort of teacher i don't know yeah teacher kind of figure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't interested in all that lovey-dovey stuff, and it was it was refreshing. Um, and for Moffat to come out and say this does feel a little bit like backpedaling to me, and I don't like it really. Um, no, I agree. I, I just, think just um, don't know where he's going with it. You know. Yeah, I think a lot of you guys would agree with us as well. It's um, it's kind of unanimous that you know while it's while it can be, you know, cute. I guess is the word. While it can be cute and quite, you know, oh, I'm. I'm I, I think I can I can hear myself already going down this down this road, and I, I don't want to go down the sexist road. But I, I was going to say, you know, it can be cute and it can be for the girls and the late. But I, I should stop there. But um, so yeah, I, I just think it's a, a a bit of a bad idea to to start writing that stuff in where it's worked very well, like you say so far. Yeah, and I do wonder so. if he's saying it just to sort of get a bit of you know, discussion go between the fans. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm just hoping this doesn't lead anywhere in series nine. Hopefully we're not going to go, go anywhere near that. And I, the only good thing is I do know that Peter Capaldi is not afraid to speak his mind as I've seen uh, firsthand in interviews. Like when he told Moffat to his face, you know, I want them on the cyber. Peter Capaldi is not afraid to sort of speak his mind. And I think uh, cool. from what he said up to now, he's, he's kind of against it as well. So hopefully he won't even go there. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up in the news is a bit of a strange one. Mm. Um, a lot of people think it's a very cool thing, but I'm not sure about this. So um, we found out recently that um, this big project um, has been has been cancelled or blocked, um, which is a which is a Doctor Who and Spider Man crossover. Yes. Which is um, a bit of an odd one. I mean, I know crossovers in comics and tv and stuff are are potentially strange anyway um when i was in forbidden planet on monday i saw a um, a comic which was a crossover of predator and archie (laughs) interesting yeah so you know they they have a history of being quite strange anyway these crossovers but this one's a bit a bit weird did you know anything about it beforehand because it seems that this has been in the planning for a while and it seems like a lot of people knew about it i mean i i've never heard of it up till now um no, but I know you're no. you're sort of more into the sort of Marvel DC thing than me. I mean, no, I, I like yeah. it, but I know you're quite into it. But you hadn't heard anything about this. No, I've not heard yeah. anything about a Spider-Man Doctor Who crossover. All oh, right, I just wondered, yeah, because yeah, it's sort of the the article sort of read as if you know, if you didn't already know, blah blah blah. And I was thinking, no, didn't know that, never heard of that. <laughs> no, 
So um, the guy who's been writing this story or kind of developing it um, is a comic book writer called Dan Slott. And apparently he spent just over five years working on this concept and as a project and stuff. Um, and I'm not sure who's killed it or how it's just ended up in the bin, but um, apparently um, the BBC were quite keen to do it. Yeah, apparently. Um, strange. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's on the floor. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm surprised. I don't know, would that work, though? The Doctor and Spider-Man, it just seems such an odd pairing to me. I can see it working in, in you know, comic book form, probably. A bit like the, the Doctor Who Star Trek crossover that uh, IDW did. Okay, yeah. You know, that, that works quite well as a comic book. Um, so I guess, it, yeah, I guess it could work, but it's not something hmm. I'd put at the top of my list of things I would really want, particularly. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, and I'm not too fussed that it's ended up in the bin because... No. You know, it's a bit of a bit of a strange. I'm not saying it couldn't work if it was done well, if it was done in the right way, it could potentially have some legs, I'm not sure, but anyway, it, it's been canned. And it's 5 years that he won't be getting back. <laughs> yeah, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> um in other comic book news actually, there's a there's a bit of news to do with comics, which is a brilliant bit of news. Now this I do like. Yeah. And this is that the War Doctor is going to be joining the Titan Comics for their summer event. So it's like a five-part series that's going to feature the 10th, 11th, 12th Doctor and now the War Doctor as well. Um, <clears throat> Paul yes. Cornell's involved in it. Yeah, this just is really good news. I just love the fact that the War Doctor is going to be in comic form, don't you? Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. I was really happy when they announced that the Ninth Doctor was going to be having his own little comic run. Who? Uh, the ninth Doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah, of course, yeah you remember that guy. Um, and- he does get. He does get. I mean, I love. I do like the ninth Doctor a lot. <laughs> he does get overlooked, though, doesn't he? He does get forgotten uh, very mm. often. Yeah, um, but now they've uh, mm. the guys at Titan. Yeah, they've introduced this new uh, summer run with uh, the War Doctor, which is really cool. And it just goes to show that the um, the Titan comic run is doing really well. It seems to be everywhere at the moment. It does, yeah. Um, it seems we talked about a lot, and there's always um, a lot of blogs that review each episode, and you know it's very much out there for Doctor Who fans. So um, it's really great, and the fact that yeah, the War Doctor is now going to be um, in issue one, uh, it's going to be very cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be getting these. Yeah, yeah, kicks off Wednesday, August twelfth. And I love, I love the sort of covers. They kind of all, when you get them all, it looks like they're sort of all very similar. So they run into each other, which is really nice. Yeah, that's very cool. And um, yeah, Capaldi takes centre stage on issues four and five. Yeah, I was just wondering <laughs> where, because like, you've got 10 and 11 behind Capaldi on the last one. Where's the War Doctor on the last issue, though? It's a bit odd. Yeah. Is he on. there? He's not there. Is he no. there? No. Hmm. Perhaps he's behind Capaldi and you can't see him. Maybe. He's quite yeah. short compared to Capaldi. Yeah, he is, yeah, hunched <laughs> over behind. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah, the covers are cool. So that's going to be cool. August. Um, yeah, so the, the, the Titan comics, they are doing really well, which is good. Always good to have extra Doctor Who stuff, whether it's books, comics, whatever. Yeah, just need to find the, the room to put all these things. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last up in the news, um, the guys of, uh, you guys that are watching iPlayer um, outside of um, the UK and Europe, um, uh, unfortunately going to be uh, have your service closed down um, so this is not a bit of news like yay it's closing this is more like a bit of information for you guys in case you were mm-hmm. wanting to fire up the iPlayer and watch some Who um, it's going to close down on the 26th of June 
to the end of next month. Because um, I think Doctor Who is on there pretty much all the time. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's a bit of a shame. So, Because um, they... I've seen a lot of tweets recently where they're saying that Series 8 has popped up on iPlayer, um, which is quite cool. But yeah, outside of the UK and I think some parts of Europe, you've got till the end of June. Um, but I don't think it's all bad because the BBC apparently are working on a new um, a new uh, thing for you guys to watch digital content from the BBC. So that's not going to be too bad, but I'm not sure when that's coming. No, that's true. I mean, I'm sure yeah. that I guess say they're bound to replace it with a something similar, aren't they? Because it's such a popular thing. iPlayer. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, yeah. So goodbye, iPlayer globally, but um, it will be replaced soon enough with something else. I'm sure. Talking of online things, have you been watching any of these new little five-minute things that they've been putting on YouTube with uh, Crystal, this spiky-haired little presenter? Oh yes, um, yeah. little behind-the-scenes things. Um, I mean, they're quite fun actually. I mean, they're they're aimed at a younger audience clearly, but mm-hmm. you know, they're yeah. I, I had a quick look at those the other day just to see what what it was all about. Yeah, they're quite cool, and I quite like um, the host. Uh, sorry, what's her name again? Um, I think it's Crystal. Yeah, uh, she's very very cool. Yeah, I was going to say, she yeah. is very, very cool. I quite like her. Yeah. So, yeah, I did see that. Um, I think I watched the first one, I think, with just an introduction to herself and, you know, how she likes who and what she's into and stuff. But that no, looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's cool. the news. That is going to wrap the news. Adam. Yes. What were we reviewing this week? Well, we're finally off to that carnival. <laughs> carnival, aren't we? Finally. And it's a carnival of monsters. Terrible thing! Why didn't it attack us? I couldn't have seen us, Joe. It must be hunting by scent. Hunting what? Us, I'm afraid. It's following our outward trail. It'll be at the cave when we get back there. What's that? There's more than one of those things about, Joe. Let's go. They are escaping. Nothing escapes the Drashics. Even that size, they terrify me. How many are there? In the scope. Oh, just one colony. Twenty or so. Where do they come from? One of Grundle's satellites. It's said that many years ago, a battle thruster landed there for emergency repairs. It had a crew of 50 and all the latest armaments. They thought they could hold the Drashics up. <laughs> what happened? Nothing more was heard from them, so a scout orbiter was sent out. The pictures showed nothing left of the thruster. It had been eaten. Eaten? They ate a spaceship? Apart from just a few scraps of the reactor ventricle, they're omnivorous. Of course, they prefer flesh when they can get it. Of course. Nothing escapes the Drashigs. The Drashigs, yep. Great stuff. Very cool stuff. So, Carnival of Monsters, back in 1973. Mm. uh, Four-parter. This is... I love these these four-parters at 25 minutes. Yeah, I do as well. They seem to be paced really well. Yeah, um, I do, especially when you get a Pertwee one, because a lot of Pertwee ones tend to be six or seven episodes, which can oh, sometimes you know drag on a little. So, yeah, it's good to get a four-parter yeah. Pertwee. Yeah. This and is, written yeah. by stalwart Robert Holmes as well. I mean, he, he does some great, great stuff for Who over the years. Yeah. Barry Letts directing, really good. Mm. Love his episodes. Yeah, I like Barry. Yeah. And so this will be, yes, this is Pertwee and um, uh, Katie Manning as Joe. Uh, Rundown on the story then. Uh, Fairly basically, they get accosted into 
um, uh, the TARDIS lands in a, a miniscope, mm. which is like a flea circus, I guess. Um, and they get chased and try and escape this thing. Uh, realize they realize quite early on that there something's not. Re- you know, it's one of those classic Who things where at first everything seems fine. But as usual, the doctor can sense that something isn't quite right. Yeah, I was thinking that. You know, yeah. so it's one of those classic formulas. Very, very cool. So he senses that something isn't quite right. Um, and true to form, something is going on, which I don't quite realise at first until they use their wit and cunning to escape um, their, their, uh, their scenario at the time. And they realise that they're inside this miniscope, um, which is like a circus attraction, I guess. And... Um, on the there's like two stories going on. So on the outside, there's this kind of traveling entertainer guy, like a magician entertainer dude. Um, he's turned up at this planet with these terribly well-spoken aliens. Yes. Um, are not quite impressed with what is going on. Um, in the meantime, the doctor's trapped inside. He's trying to escape. And the two stories kind of converge at the end, as you'd expect, uh, with the doctor saving the day. And there you go. That's Mixed right. in with all that, we have mm. the classic Drashigs. Yes. Um, which we'll come on to in a bit. But, uh, yeah, so Carnival, what do you think to this one, dude? Yeah, well, um, I do. I, overall, it's quite an interesting idea. I do do like that. I like the fact we sort of get to see, you know, inside this machine and also the sort of goings on outside the machine. And it's, um, it's fair to say the sort of goings on on the outside of the machine are sort of more lighthearted, aren't they? <laughs> yes, um, which is because the, the owner of it, the sort of circus guy, um, no, he's not a circus guy, is he? What is he? Borg. Sort of the he's a... Borg. Yeah, he's like a travelling, he's like a, a Butlin's entertainer. Yeah, a bit of an artful dodger with a glamorous assistant, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're quite quite nice characters, actually. Quite give a little bit of humour to it. And then, obviously, when we see the events inside the scope, you know, that's where the action is, like, you know, with the Drashigs and all this stuff going on at the boat at the beginning where everyone seems to be trapped in a loop and they don't realise. Yeah. Uh, that's a nice idea, I thought, actually. Thought that's quite good. I love the fact that there's this big panel on the floor and they can't see it, and it's just—I don't know—it's quite a nice little little idea yeah. uh, of all that going on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, overall, I like like the concept uh, of the actual story. I think it's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. The idea is pretty good. What about the execution? The execution. Um, I I I think overall, it's it's fairly well done. Overall, um, I yeah. quite like the. Um, like there are certain elements which I thought were very good when the um, when the Doctor and Joe are running um, between areas within the miniscope and everything's huge and they're like miniature inside. I thought all that stuff was done quite well. Mm. And then when they switch to like the outside environment, so you know the bit where they're outside in the fields where the drashigs are, and and then you switch, you, it swaps back inside, and then. Um, and then these, when they go back on the boat and stuff like that, I thought all those bits were done quite well. It was quite seamless because sometimes yeah. when you're going from outside to set, especially back in the 70s with TV, you had this really huge, massive difference in production. Uh, whereas on this one, I thought it was quite seamless. It was done quite well. Yeah, it can be quite jarring sometimes, can't it, when they cut from... Because I was thinking yeah. that when on the boat and they go inside the room and then it sort of cuts to a set and I was thinking, you know, it it's not too bad, but it's, you know, obviously it's going from a real location to, you know, that set. Yeah. It's a little bit jarring because it's so overlit and stuff. Um, but yeah, on the whole, it, it doesn't work too bad. I think because of the nature of the the, the story, it, it works quite well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I quite like... Um, I wasn't really a fan of um, 
like the the plesiosaurus at the beginning. You know, it looks like oh yeah, one of those usual hand puppets that are just drenched in water and slime and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so things like that kind of let it down a little bit. You know, where they had these very cheap effects going on. Also, you know the bit where Vorg and and, and Scherner arrive on the planet. And oh, it's a really bad CSO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know all that stuff, and then the the everything that's quite cheap, like the miniscope itself. You can tell it's just like a, I don't know, <laughs> it's a bit like, lightweight, isn't it? Yeah, like a yeah polystyrene tube or made out of paper mache or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, Barry um, Letts was such a pioneer of CSO, and I think he <laughs> he really loved it. I think it was quite you know quite a new thing. Yeah, um, and he did love to use it. And unfortunately, yeah, during his period. It, it does get a little bit overused and uh, that beginning bit is a prime example because <laughs> it's almost the first scene and it's very, yeah, it's quite bad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit thing. Um, these, you know, the aliens, are they blue or grey? Because I can't, I'm, I'm colourblind, I couldn't tell them. But are they blue or grey? Bluey grey. They are a, they are a bluey grey. I think they're more grey than blue. Yeah. And they're, you know, wearing these bold caps and stuff. And they, <laughs> you're right, they are talking terribly posh. Yeah. Um, they are, yeah. Are they kind of they're, they're kind of having this um, conference sort of thing, aren't they? Because I was thinking, what's going on here with these guys? You know, why why have they got this sort of entertainer on there with them? And um, it's not a conference, is it? What is it's going on? It's like a yeah, um, it's um, it's uh, I know what you mean. It's a political thing. That's it. Yeah, some kind of thing. Yeah, tribunal. Yeah. No, uh, tribunal. That's is it? No, uh, is it a tribunal? I think. Yeah, because that's be. sort of, kind of, there's only the three of them, but you get the impression that there's like supposed to be loads of them there, but we're only really sort of concentrating yeah. on these three, aren't we? Yeah. Um, they're the only sort of three that we get to know. Um, and uh, yeah, you can sort of see the bowl caps slightly coming <laughs> off as scenes go on because it's obviously quite hot yeah. in the studio. In fact, Barry Letts actually removed when it was repeated, he removed a bit from the end because you could see the cap coming off. I was thinking, it's a lot of effort for something I probably wouldn't have bothered because if you're going to do that, <laughs> you may as well correct a few other bits as well. Yeah. Um, that, but, yeah. Uh, that didn't look too bad, but yeah, you could see the caps quite clearly and that sort yeah. of stuff. But do you know what? That's the charm. Yeah. That's the charm of Classic Who. Yeah, I don't mind you know? it. See, I, I I never, you know, I would never have bothered remov removing it. No. You know, it's a bit like going back to our old friend George Lucas when he messed up all the Star Wars films, you know, just leave them as they are. Just we like it. all we like all the mistakes, you know. It's a bit like the restoration team as well when they remove the shadows um, from the boom mics and stuff. No, leave them in. I leave like them. to see the boom mic coming in, especially Absolutely. in the especially when it's Peter Davison at the TARDIS console. Leave it in. You know, um, yeah, I, I don't mind all that. I think you're right. I think it's part of the charm. Yeah. Quick question for you. Mm. Um, how did the the planet that they're on has been pronounced two different ways? Oh, yeah. What's your... Oh, what? well, the planet they're trying to get to, Metabilius, Metabilius, <laughs> no, Metabilius 3. I'm, I'm saying it wrong. I don't want to say it the, <laughs> the 11th Doctor way because it's wrong. I want to say it the Pertwee way. So, yeah, the Pertwee way is Metabilis 3. That's it. So uh, That's correct. 11th Doctor, what did he say? Metabolis. Metabolis. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, so, what was going on? So we're settled on Metabilis 3. Metabolism. However, John Pertwee says it. That's that's the right way. Metabolism three. <laughs> right. Cool. So um, yeah, and there's only three dudes living on this planet. But yeah, I don't think that's not meant to be the planet, though, is it? Or is it? I thought they they missed that. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think it's a different planet. Oh, I think it? the doctor. I think the doctor was aiming. Oh, he's for, aiming for it. Yeah, he's aiming yeah. for it. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it does think he he doesn't get there in this one. Uh, yeah, because that's where he ends up. Of course, sorry. Yeah, in Planet Spiders, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So this, I don't know if we find out the name of the planet they're on in this one. I don't. That, that's actually what's going to ask you. Do we find out the name of these grey aliens? Because I was thinking all the way through. What What is this race? Who are they? Do I don't think what? we ever find out. I'm sure in maybe the. In the novel of this story, you might um, um, there might be people who know. Hmm. And there's probably people listening going, "Yeah, it's that quite trivial." But um, yeah, I don't know. It's never mentioned, is it? I'm sure it's I, written down somewhere. Well, I don't think it is. I mean, I did go on to good old Wikipedia to try and find out, cause thinking, "Who's it? What is this race?" Um, but I uh, didn't see it on there. But I do, I do think it is out there somewhere. It must be in the novel because the novel was written by Terence Dix, and he loves to fill in little gaps like this. Yeah. So yeah, in fact, I, one of the notes I made actually is that this probably I haven't read the novel of this, but I would imagine it's quite good because I do really like the actual overall ideas and story. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the novel of this because I reckon it'll be a good story, hmm. especially written by Terence as well. I can imagine he's sharpened it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, and and the story is actually like we said, the story is very very good. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so those three grey dudes, they were so funny. I, mean, I don't think they were meant to be funny, but just the way that they that they talked to each other, they were always like miffed. Like there was two of them. Obviously, they were trying to. Um, form like a mini revolution to yeah. like overturn the leader guy. I think his name was Kalik. I think was his name. Which were Kalik or Pletrak? Pletrak or one of them? Yeah, Pletrak um, is. Um, well, no, I think yeah, Pletrak's the one that's kind of pushing Kalik, trying to sort of push him towards his way of thinking, yeah. isn't it? So the other one, Oram. Yeah, because Kalik's um, Michael Wisher, isn't it? Michael he, Wisher, he yeah. Went yeah. on to be Davros, and it's quite interesting seeing him. You know, see a bit more of his face, albeit under a load of grey makeup. <laughs> yeah, and I'd forgotten he was in it, actually. It's quite quite good to see. I'd forgot, yeah. So one of them's the leader type of guy. And the other two, it seems like they're just constantly miffed with each other. Mm. And they're very, very British as well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I know it's that time anyway. You know, back in the 70s where a lot, the accent was very, very proper and very to-do. But uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine a, an alien planet where they talk you know more more posh in a more posh way than you do no and also i was thinking about the people in the miniscope as well like the people on the boat are incredibly posh although they <laughs> they're meant to be because they're playing that from that time period aren't they yes and, my uh, boy yes 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 actually there's a rather uncomfortable scene where the doctor has a fist fight with um uh ian Marto, <laughs> another familiar face great to see Ian Marto in it oh, yeah. um so two familiar faces um because you know, obviously, he goes on to be Harry. Yeah, Harry. But yeah, that bit where they have the fist fight—it's hilarious. It, well, it is, yeah. But it's like the Doctor doesn't have bare knuckle fist fight. Well, you know, Pert was Doctor, I suppose, maybe. But I was a little surprised by it. I have to be honest. Well, I was going to say. Know, I was expecting them to rip their shirts off at any minute, and you know, <laughs> it was all a bit like, "Come on, Watto!" You know, getting was, down. Yeah. To, yeah. I was going to. Yeah, I was going to mention that scene actually. Um, yeah, don't underestimate Pertwee. Yeah. He can throw down when he needs to. And didn't he just as well? He really belts him in. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's done that in a few episodes where he's yeah. he's handed out a few slaps. Well, he normally I do you know he likes a good sword fight, doesn't he, Pertwee? That's what I like about Pertwee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a bit of a James <laughs> so, Bond yeah, character. Yeah, I don't know, bare knuckle fighting. It's uh, yes, oh well, very much so. Yeah, yeah. When he gets like in that mode, he's like um, he's almost like kind of detective-y, 
investigator but can handle himself in a fight. It's pretty cool. Well, judging by this one, he certainly can. Yeah, he doesn't... Um, don't think he gets a scratch on him, does he? <laughs> no. Yeah. He's all good. Yeah, and Joe <laughs> as well. I mean, I do love the Dr. Joe relationship, don't you? I think... I do do like them together. They are cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no complaints. And she's quite... Uh, she tells her doctor what she thinks as well. You know, I'm not really a fan of these companions, these female companions from from the classic series that just run around screeching the whole time. Yeah. You know, you know companions like Joe, they'll, you know, they're like, well, you're wrong, aren't you? And although Pertwee has this habit where he's like, no, I'm always right, I'm always right, he does give in at times. And he's like, yes, I think you're right. Yes, because there's a bit where he's talking to chickens, isn't there? And she's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, there's, there's a nice, yeah, there's a nice, nice relationship between Sir Doctor and Joe. Yeah. Um, and there's no lovey-dovey stuff, but there's there's a definite warmth you know they really yeah like you said she's not afraid to sort of put him straight you know and he and he he'll admit it being stubborn and because she calls him uncle at one point as well which is nice and because his face you know oh yeah, so, yeah. sort of taken aback by it yeah oh, there's a nice little relationship between those two i think they work well really really like the character of joe yeah very yeah. cool i was thinking about you saying about the um some of the stuff inside the actual miniscope itself as well and i one of the notes i did write was that it does resemble the sort of um the set of the top of the pop studio in the 70s it's very <laughs> very of the time isn't it yeah, um, but yeah. i kind of like it again it kind of has a real sort of um charm about it because of that you know um, now you mention it it is very top of the pops isn't it, it it's it, well, it's kind yeah. of what it reminded me of yeah yeah no i read it, you yeah you know and also the miniscope another note i put it one of the things I love is that we get to see a couple of old clips. Well, actually, I think they were filmed for actually. So you actually see a Cyberman and an Orgon. Uh, Orgon. Oh yeah, the Orgon. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, on the uh, on the miniscope as well, which is just I, I don't know. I just love it when they show clips of old monsters. Yeah, cool little know. touch actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's very which cool. Which is good. Yeah. Talking of monsters, the often mm -hmm. talked about Drashigs. What do you reckon yeah. to those guys? They, they just look brilliant. Um, I mean, the <laughs> they design look brilliant. Of them, well, no, I, I love the design of them. Let me backtrack. Um, yes, maybe maybe the effect doesn't look brilliant, but I do love the look of them. I think they look great when they're bursting through the walls and stuff. Don't know. I think there's something very iconic and classic about them. Yeah. Yeah, why do you... Do you not like... You, you can't not like the Drash Eggs. I don't like the Drash Eggs. Oh, what's wrong with you? I don't, I don't like them. They're, they're brilliant. They're the they're here's, classic here's my issue here's the ish first of all they've got they've got six eyes on top of their heads yeah very very handy yeah but the doctor says that they can't see anything and they track by <laughs> scent that's the first one for me okay big eyes on top of their head but they can't track by sight amazing secondly they've got poodle's teeth <laughs> You know, you know, come on. No, I love them. You'll never get me to. No, I won't. I the, won't have it. Their mouth is full of like, um, like small dogs, like canine teeth. What's wrong with that? But they're like big slugs with like. Yeah, come on, come on. No, I you, won't. I'll, you'll never, you'll never get me to say I don't like the drashigs. I think they're brilliant. Have they I ever, love the love the look of them. Have they ever produced a toy of the drashig? 
they have. I was just about to say, it's one of the few figures I haven't got. I wish I did have it now because I'd bring it along to the spectacular and attack you with it. <laughs> but, uh, but I haven't got one, um, unfortunately. But they have produced a toy. And it's, uh, it won't surprise you to know it's actually a hand puppet um, For God's toy sake. as well. Yeah. I may have to go on eBay now. And say, oh, I can't get one in time. I'd love to bring. I'd love to bring one along now to the spectacular. But I haven't got one. Hey, listeners, if you're going and you've got one, um, just bring it along, just in case we bump into you. <laughs> oh man, oh, I'd love to see that. Loads of drashics in the audience. That'd be brilliant. I don't like them. Okay. They don't look menacing enough either. They 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 kind of crawl along at literally a slug's pace because that's what they are basically. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. I know you like them, but I just I didn't do. find them threatening. Or I didn't. They just look ridiculous. No, they look ridiculous. Can't beat a drashig. You can't beat a good drashig. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else do we talk about? So Vorg and Scherner, what do you think to those two? The- yeah, I, I actually think they're they're, they're kind of uh, for what they are. I think they're quite interesting characters. Not interesting, but I think they're quite good light relief. Um, he's a bit of an artful dodger type. Yeah, they're quite uh, funny. Or he yeah. was anyway. Yeah, I think they're fine. Is is the is the um, the the assistant? Is that is that Raquel from Only Fools and Horses? That's bugging me all the way through. I kept meaning to look it up. Ra- I'm sure uh, that's Raquel. It could be. Yeah, I might be wrong. She's What's bl- the actress's um, name. She. Um... Gonna I'm gonna look it. I'm on wiki because I kept thinking all, all the way through. I'm sure I know her, and then, and then I finally managed to place her. If it is her, uh, Cheryl she'll... Hall. Cheryl Hall. Mm, oh, I may have got it, it wrong. Yeah. That's be very disappointing. It looked like her. Maybe it's not. Mm. Yes, it. No. <laughs> Jake's loving the ITV. Lucky fella. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> anyway, okay. I, I was sure it was her, but it's not. <laughs> How very disappointing. But oh. yeah, she's good. I think. I think. Well, I think he's. Yeah, I think they work well together. Think some nice little touches of humour. Um, yeah, I thought they were quite two. cool. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that the uh, the grey guys are just totally, you know, not in, not having any nonsense from him at all. Uh, you know, all the way through, aren't they? Like when he's trying to sort of <laughs> sell them things and make money, and they're just like, oh, having none of it. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. He's not. I like that he gets some money at the end, though. You know, yeah, that's nice. yeah. He's um, he's uh, <laughs> to quote. He's using the old three Magnum pods and a yar- and a yarrow seed trick. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he um, I like that he wins uh, a load of gold bars at the end or credit bars, whatever they're called. Yeah, credit yeah. bars. Yeah, uh, that's a really nice little way to end the episode. Actually, isn't it? They take yeah. off and they just leave him to it, trying to trying to f- find a way to make something out of this disastrous situation that he's <laughs> found himself in. Yeah, it's a really nice little touch. Actually, it's very cool. But, yeah, no, I think they work good. Yep. Uh, so carnival, anything else to say on this one? It's fairly, like I said, it's a fairly simplistic story. They're kind of trapped. Getting, it's an easy know. watch, isn't it? I don't, I mean, I, I never rate it as one of my favorites. Um, nor do I think it's bad. Uh, I yeah. just think it's an easy watch. I do really like the idea behind it. Um, it's sort of lacking something. I can never quite put my finger on, you know, in terms of it never quite, steps up from being good to brilliant. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's some there's something not there um in terms of that. But it's a good it's just a good little story, I think. Yeah. It's a good little story. Yeah. It's okay. Before we give our official scores though, um let's jump on social. See what you guys have said very quickly on Twitter. 
Um, uh, Mr. Ultimate Whovian. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think his Twitter name is at 10th Doctor 1000. Says, uh, My introduction to Pertwee and a great story. Mm. Um, Peter Adamson um, at Pedro the Whovian. Uh, Drashigs pro- were probably the best 70s Who monster. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> yeah. Too oh, right. Man. Vincent Jones, 6 out of 10 for Carnival. Um, that's it for Twitter. On Facebook, um, I think there's quite a lot of love for it on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Um, Kieran Knight, um, a very odd story, this one. The performances from Harry Sullivan himself, Ian Marta, and the pre-Davros Michael Wisher make this story watchable for me. Um, nice to see development in a third Doctor and Joe's relationship, though I do prefer angry Pertwee to relaxed Pertwee. Uh, the ship aspect I found a lot more interesting than the grey alien subplot. Uh, Rob Holmes is my fave Who writer, but this isn't one of my faves. Six out of ten. Uh, Greg Toby, uh, one of my favourite Pertwee stories, the kind of story that cheers me up after a long day. Nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kai McNamee, uh, truly the start of Bob Holmes' renaissance, full of his trademark humour, charm, imagination, interesting characters and outlandish concepts. Uh, classic Pertwee story that should be remembered exceptional performances from Pertwee and Manning as usual and brilliant work from the support cast 9 out of 10 uh, Jeff Waddle the book was good years later on seeing the actual programme the book was still good <laughs> so take that take whatever you want from that um, Kate Johnson right. hi Kate uh, this is one of the few stories I remember from back in the 70s when it first aired on PBS uh, loved it when loved it and was glad to watch it again on retro TV a fun story 8 out of 10 uh, my good friend Nick Gill, uh, not one of my favourite Pertwee serials, but an enjoyable romp. Uh, arguably, this serial gave at least a passing shot of inspiration to the rebooted series Into the Dalek. Which is interesting, hadn't considered that. Um, Stu mm. Gee, uh, Joe speaking chicken is brill, despite <laughs> some dodgy fashion from Vorg and Scherner. It's a great story, notable for Ian Martyr's first appearance. Uh, Tom Dix. Uh, it's been a while since I watched this, but I have to say, from what I remember, it was very good. Um, not a favourite of mine, um, but both Joe and Three are at their best in this story, along with the entire cast. Eight out of ten. Um, ben Smith, one of my many greats of the Pertwee, one of the many greats of the Pertwee era. Uh, the Drashigs were a good monster. The plot yep. is extremely original, and it's also a well-executed political subplot. Also nice to see Ian Martin in a different role. Nine out of ten. And lastly, George Garrity, uh, strange, just strange. <laughs> Drashig, Drashigs are good, though, and Pertwee, 6.5 out of 10. Mm, a lot of love for the Drashigs there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it is strange. Yeah, it's strange. Um, I got a few on the Geek's Handbag. We got um, Jonathan McEwick just says, I quite like it, exclamation mark. <laughs> I quite wrong? like it quite like it uh callum johnson he says it's the first pertwee story he ever watched and loved it at the time now watching it he thinks less of it so he's giving it a six out of ten so yeah on repeat view not so much jace house is one of the only third doctor stories he doesn't love uh he says it opens well with the arrival of the doctor and joe he thinks that uh, john and katie are both great he likes the showman and the assistant um yeah so overall he says i must watch it again but something about it just doesn't work for him uh, Lee Collins, not one of my favourite stories. Okay. <laughs> Alex Pinfold, uh, there are many things about the story I like. The circuit board sets, yes, I like them. The Thames location filming uh, and the con- 
concept of the scope. Good, yeah, it is a good concept. I agree with that. Um, yep. The amount of screen time Katie Manning and John Pertwee have is good. Uh, but as a whole, the st- story doesn't really do it for me because the style of the scope scenes and those sets outside clash in both visual and narrative terms. Um, nowhere near my favourite Dickens, uh, Dick's era story. <laughs> um, Dickens era, <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah, so a bit of a mixed bag there from Alex Pinfield. Um, he, he says that they clash, and we were saying that they didn't, so I'm not sure. He was saying about the outside filming in the sets. I think because it's in a miniscope, I can kind of overlook that. And finally, <laughs> Anthony Stone Street, he says, for some unexplained reason, it's one of Pertwee's best in his book. Okay. So, yeah, so a bit, yeah, mostly positive stuff from people. Some quite high scores, actually, on on the uh, podcast page, which I would, not, yeah, I'm not going to, well, well, we'll go into our scores now, but, um, yeah. There's a few 9 out of 10s there, wasn't there? There was, indeed. Mm. And I believe it's your turn to go first. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, this this one for me is fairly easy. Um, it's a good concept, fun story, familiar faces of Ian Martyr and Michael Wisher. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. 7.5, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a 7. 7, okay. I was considering a, a 7.5 or an 8, um, but some of the... Um, I, I thought that, I, well, the drash, the drashigs for me brought it down a little bit, which I know is going to annoy a lot of people. Um, but I think you you picked up on it earlier. There was just something about this story that never quite. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was really good to watch, and I enjoyed it, and I I loved Pertwee and all that sort of stuff. But there was just something about it that just didn't didn't keep me kind of, you know, into it the whole way through. I can't explain why. There's just something about it. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. But yeah, seven and seven point five. I think that's fairly respectable. Yeah, yeah, it's decent. Yeah, it's a decent, decent, uh, decent, easy watch. Indeed. Uh, so thank you very much for jumping on to Twitter and Facebook to give us your opinions on stuff on Carnival of Monsters, and um, I think that is going to wrap, buddy. Yes. <laughs> thank you for joining us for episode 42 and thanks as always for jumping on and giving us your thoughts your mini reviews and opinions and stuff what are we doing next week buddy next week so it's a matt smith uh, story next week um and it's going to be the lodger the lodger hmm mm. i think i've only watched this one once when it went out so yeah. interesting me too i think i've seen it the mm. once yeah can't remember anything about it at all yeah kind of uh, looking forward to giving that a rewatch because i really can't remember much of it at all which could be a good thing could be a bad yeah it's gonna from what i remember um i was kind of indifferent i think so i'll have to give that another watch and uh see how we go with that one yeah um so last week um we asked you our first trivia question uh nothing too serious just a bit of light fun and we asked you in the episode midnight what was the waterfall made of and the correct answer is sapphires. Sapphires, yeah. Yes. And um, uh, our winner for this week on that one is our recent competition winner, which is Mr. Thomas Evans. Oh, well done, Thomas. So Thomas is on fire at the moment. <laughs> 
and I did see he tweeted that he, he got his book and he's really pleased. So glad you're enjoying that one. Yeah, nice one, Tom. Uh, question for this week. Um, this is a short and sweet one, but I've, I didn't know the answer to this one, but uh, short and sweet. So what is the name of the impossible planet? I assume from your silence you don't know either. Um, no, my silence was because um, I couldn't hear you. The only <laughs> you, you cut you cut off. Right. Um, all I heard was planet. Right. Uh, so, what is the name of the impossible planet? Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. I may as well have been silent. I don't know. I didn't know either. So, yeah, just jump on Twitter or Facebook and shoot us your answers for that one. Mm. Should be good. Um, so yeah, jump onto the website, which is looking brand new and fancy at the moment. Oh yeah, very spangly www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk and from there you can link off to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and stuff and give us a follow and a like that'd be very cool Um, also subscribe on iTunes so that you never miss an episode and if you'd like to leave us a review that would too be very awesome Uh, be sure to check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag which is very cool and uh, that's going to do it I think until then my name's Gary my name's Adam And until then, Alonzi!